morning and welcome. Welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I want to welcome everyone who's listening, wherever you're listening from. I hope you're having a beautiful day. It's beautiful here in the nation's capital. Welcome to those who are listening over WOL Radio 1, 1450 AM, over WOLDCnews.com, and LawTalkWithEthelMitchell.com. I'm attorney Ethel Mitchell, and I host this program every Saturday morning from 8.30 to 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time to bring you important information that every adult needs to have about protecting themselves, their property, their assets, preserving them, and how do you pass it on as you want to when you can no longer use it. So we try to bring you information, and it's really hard to get anywhere else in a practical, down-to-earth way, in a way that will save you money and at least give you some ideas about legal principles surrounding property, deeds, bank accounts, what happens to your home when you die, what can you do about it, um, wills trust, and provide a place where you can call in and ask questions about these very important factors. Uh, All of us have some sort of property, you know, and that includes your bank account, your retirement accounts, your life insurance policies, as well as your home. And it includes whether you still have a mortgage on your home or not. Some people have the mistaken notion that, you know, if you haven't paid off the house, then it's not yours. It is yours. You just simply owe a debt on it. And you certainly can put it in your will. You certainly can control the disposition of it after your debt by saying, this is who I want to get my property. And you really should. You really must do this. This is the way in which intergenerational wealth is created. This is the way in which it is protected. And this is the way in which it is passed on in the most efficient, least expensive, least taxed way. So welcome to everyone who's listening. I want to inform you about the law when it comes to these things. So please Call me while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876. I know some of you listen often, and if you have questions, feel free to call in. Now is a good time to call in and ask questions because this is information you need to know. You all need to know. We all work hard for our money, as Donna Summer said. We all work hard for our money. And you want to protect it, you want to preserve it, and you want to pass it on to the persons, to the institutions, whether that be your church, your school, your sorority, your fraternity, to research facilities, hospitals that can use your, your assets and can benefit from your work even after you're no longer here. So, again, while I'm here, call in. Call in early so I can try and address your questions to 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. This program is brought to you by my law office, <clears throat> Wills and Trust, LLC, where the only kind of law we do is to prepare wills, prepare trust, power of attorneys, advance medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and distributing trust. So give us a call if you or someone you know needs a will or a trust. If you or someone you know needs help in administering an estate or distributing property after someone has died, our phone number is 240-638-638. 
Law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know can hurt you. And what you do know can empower you and generations to come. So don't ignore this. Ask your parents, your grandparents, your uncles, and your aunts to please take care of this. Okay? Don't ignore this. Doing these kinds of things empowers you and the next generation of relatives, whether they're your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, or your nephews. It also can empower your churches, your schools, the hospitals that take care of us. This is the way. This is the way in which law provides in our country for controlling, managing, distributing, preserving, and increasing the value of your assets, your property, and what they can do for the next generation. So each week, this radio program aims to empower you by bringing you information and professionals who know the law to inform you. Please remember, however, whatever you hear on this program, whatever is on any of my websites, is for information purposes only. Each person's certain circumstances are different, and you need to have individual legal counsel for your particular situation, okay? So I'm trying to inform you. I'm trying to give you good advice. But when you're ready to do your own documents or if you want your own documents reviewed, please go to a lawyer in the state where you live and let them review the documents that you have or let them prepare the appropriate documents for you, okay? Now, every person needs to have at least three primary estate documents. You need to have your last will and testament should be done. It has to be signed and witnessed and what's called attested to. So in order for it to be effective, it is not effective unless it is signed. A lot of people will bring to me unsigned wills and they are no good once somebody dies. Once somebody dies, You can no longer have a will for that person. You can no longer make arrangements for the distribution of the deceased person's property because they're dead and it's too late at that point. So if you are over the age of 60, absolutely, you should have a will. If you have children, you should have a will. If you own a home, I don't care what your age is. You should have a will. You've heard me say over and over again, I'm getting 40-year-olds, 47-year-olds, 50-year-olds who own property, who own a home. They may have a mortgage, but they own it. They have life insurance policies. They have retirement accounts. A lot of them have children. Some do not, but a lot of them do. And they are dying, unfortunately. It's always unfortunate when anybody dies, but they are dying without wills, and they are leaving their children and their loved ones at risk. They are forcing their loved ones to spend a huge amount of money to probate their estate, to get somebody appointed as personal representative, to get access to that money because their money is frozen when they die. People don't realize that. Even their spouse, if they're married, even their spouse can't get to it if their name isn't on the account, okay? Even their spouse can't collect the life insurance for the children if they didn't name them, okay? So it's really, really important that these documents be done. So if you have a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a 
a significant other, a sister, a brother, an uncle, an aunt, a father, a mother, a grandmother, a grandfather, a grandaunt, uncle, you know, best friend, you know, girl friend, guy friend, whoever it is. And particularly if you are living in a non-traditional relationship, i.e. you live with somebody, you're not married to them. You really need, you must have these documents if you're going to protect them. If you're putting your money together with someone and you're spending your hard-earned time and money into a joint project or you're just taking care of your children, please make sure that they are protected if you go out here and get in a car accident, you know, or God forbid you get COVID or something like that. So you need a last will and testament. You need a power of attorney, which operates while you're alive, that says who's in charge if you become incapacitated, and you need a medical directive. A lot of people can use a trust. Trusts are wonderful. They really are. I'm, I'm helping people to administer trust after the person who created the trust died. It is so much easier. I cannot repeat to you how much easier it is to distribute an estate, particularly when the person has more than a house and bank accounts, or they have a lot of different people that they want to benefit. They have grandchildren and nieces and nephews that they want to benefit. A trust truly makes it easier. It's less expensive usually to administer, and it's a lot quicker. But not everybody wants a trust. Not everybody needs a trust. So at the very least, have your last will and testament, your power of attorney, and your medical directive, regardless of your age. This is important. All of you young people out there listening to me who may be in your 30s even, and you are working, maybe you just started working, and you named your, your parents as your, hopefully you named beneficiaries. If you're in a job with benefits, that means that you've got life insurance policies that are going to be paid. If, God forbid, you die some kind of way, make sure you name somebody, whether it's your parents, your girlfriend, your aunt, your uncle, godchild, godfather, whoever. Name somebody on those benefits, you know, so that you can, Make sure that the efforts, the efforts that you're putting in right now will go somewhere. It's important. Put beneficiary designations on your bank accounts so that, again, the money that you're able to save, it may not be a whole lot, but whatever it is, it's going to go where you want it to go. Okay? This, this is important. So while I'm on the air, call in at 1-800-450-7876 if you want to know what happens to property when somebody dies? You want to know how to open a probate. You want to know about a will or a trust. Give me a call while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. If you are interested in uh, sending you the client information form or probate information form, to get started with your own documents or help with administering somebody's estate, call us at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. And for those of you who are about to either move into someone else's home or having someone to move into your home, because a lot of parents are needing to move into their children's home or into someone else's home uh, because they're sick or for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter. But if somebody moves into your home and they are expecting you, even if they're not expecting you to, nobody wants to think that they're going to be incapacitated. But if there is a possibility that they may become incapacitated, try to insist. I understand these are your parents. You must respect them. They took care of you, okay? Um, but blame me and say, Mom, Dad, I heard this lawyer on the radio, and she said, if y'all are living with me, you need to have a power of attorney. 
you need to have a medical directive and you need to have a last will and testament. And I need to have copies of it and know where the originals are. Okay, so please, if your parents are living with you, I recommend strongly that you ask them to do a will, a power of attorney, an advanced medical directive. It does not mean that they have to give you all their stuff. It does not mean that you have to be named as a person, as a power of attorney. Okay, not at all. I'm not saying that. And parents, if you're listening to me, I'm not saying that you have to name that person as the power of attorney. You can still name somebody else, you know, and so on like that. But whoever you want to manage your money, please, even if you're well and everything, we can make them so they only become effective if you become incapacitated and it takes two doctors' written certificates to say that you can no longer act on your behalf. Okay? So, I strongly recommend that if you have a safety deposit box, that's another thing. Put somebody else's name on the safety deposit box and tell them where the key is. If you don't want to give them the key, tell them where the key is. All right? Because those boxes get locked. And when someone dies, we have to go to court. We have to get an order. And they have to have somebody to drill the box under the eye of somebody that's appointed by the court or authorized by the court. All that's money. All that's money that has to be paid just to get into the box to find out what's there. If indeed you put someone else's name on the box, your child, your spouse, someone, and you give them a key or you tell them the key is so, so place, then we don't have to go through all that. It makes a huge difference. I, I talked to somebody yesterday. I was bringing some papers. He was becoming the personal representative. And I said, what, ask the, ask the um, bank if they have a, if he had a safety deposit box. He said, oh, yes, I know they did. They put my name on it and I have the key. So I'm going to go down there when I take these papers to the bank and open the box. I was like, great. Make a list of what's in the on the box and you can take care of that. I don't even have to be involved. That's wonderful. Today I thought, and please know you're welcome to call in for whatever, ask, ask and ask whatever questions may have come up during the week that you have about a deed, power of attorney, medical directive, what happens when somebody dies, and how a trust works and so on. But I thought that today I would also cover something in more detail that I've not done, and that is how to open an estate. How do you open an estate? Uh, somebody has died, and they left a home. They left a bank account. They may have even left a will, okay? A lot of people realize, don't understand that with the will, you still have to probate it, usually, okay? So I'm going to talk about that today. How do you open an estate? And I'm going to focus on the District of Columbia and Maryland, but much of what I'm going to say is going to be applicable anywhere in the United States. The kind of information that is asked on the documents that you file in court is very similar all over the country. The form may look a little bit different and may be organized a little bit differently, but the information that the courts request is usually pretty much the same, okay? So let's say, in our example, I like Mr. Jones. We'll have Mr. Jones uh, is uh, married. Let's make him married. And he has three adult children. And he has a will, okay? His will says, when I die, Everything goes to my wife. If my wife dies before me, everything goes to my three adult children in equal shares. So Mr. Mr. Jones, for whatever reason, did not put his wife's name on the deed. And he had separate accounts from his wife. And just for the sake of the our example, he did not do payable on death beneficiaries. 
on his account. So in order to get the house into the name of the wife, in order to get access to his bank account, we have got to take that will. Because even though the will says everything goes to my wife if she's alive, it is not automatic. A will is not automatic. That's one of the biggest differences between a will and a trust. And when I say automatic, I'm really, that's not exactly right. What I'm trying to express is the fact that a court does not have to be involved in the transfer of money and property in a trust, whereas a court does have to be involved in the transfer of money and a trust where there is a will and where it does not happen automatically. So let me repeat. If Mr. Jones either had a deed that said tenants by the entirety with his spouse, then when he died, his spouse would have owned the house. But if, let's say, he had bought that house before he got married or for whatever reason, he just didn't have her name on it, then she's got to go to court in order to get that house into her name. And vice versa, of course. A lot of people don't realize that. It's not automatic. And as a general matter, you always want the name on property to be the name of somebody who is alive. As I've said in other programs, If the name on the deed, because the deed controls who owns the property. That's why I tell everybody on this program, get a copy of the deed to your house. Do not guess on this. It's a public record. You can get it by online in Washington, D.C. and in Maryland. In other states, you may be able to, but even if you can't, you can call the county. It's always The recorder of deeds office is always in the county, usually under the auspices of the court, the clerk of the court. And you can call them, you can go online and get their phone number, you can get their address, you can call them and say, I want a copy of the deed to and give them the address. They will tell you what it costs, if anything, get their address. Send them a letter with a check for the amount, don't send cash, and ask them to send you a copy of the deed, and they will. It's a public record. Even if there is a mortgage on the house, the deed is a public record. You can still get a copy of your deed, even if you have a mortgage on it, okay? So if you're living in a house, look up the deed, get a copy of it. So Mr. Jones's deed, is a public record. Wife goes to a lawyer, maybe his wife and his children already have a copy of the deed, and it didn't say anybody else's name on it, so they've got to go to court. They also find out that Mr. Jones had bank accounts at Bank of America, uh, we're just PNC and Fidelity, whatever, okay? But he didn't have any beneficiaries designated on it. And so... Several things have happened. When the banks find out that Mr. Jones is dead, they freeze the accounts. They shut down the online access to those accounts. It's a protective measure, but it can be a shock to the family who may have been depending on that money to bury him with. And then they find out they can't get to that money until they open a a proceeding in court and until somebody is named as personal representative. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. And today I'm going to give you some information about how to open an estate, okay? How to open an estate, okay? Because when somebody dies, that's what you want to do. You want to be able to get access to their money, And you want to be able to transfer 
the name on the deed from the deceased person, whether it's your grandmother, your grandfather, your husband, your wife, you want to transfer the name on the deed to the appropriate person who is alive. Okay? So, I'm almost ready where we have to go to a break. But let me just start by saying this. All of the forms that you need to open an estate are online these days, at least in Washington, D.C., in Maryland, and in Virginia. I want to assume that they are in other states in the union, but you can call the recorder of deeds off. I'm sorry, not the recorder of deeds is where the deeds are, but the management of a state is through, it's usually called the recorder, the, I'm sorry, the register of wills, probate division or orphans court, okay? If you look up register of wills, probate division or orphans court in your county, in Washington, D.C., it's in the District of Columbia, that's where you're going to find this information. In district in the district, you go to dccourts.gov. You, it'll open up and you click on Superior Court. When you're in the Superior Court link, it'll you'll see one that says Probate Division. Click on that, and you go to Large Estate, and then Forms. All right. In Maryland. If you put in Maryland probate forms and Google that, a sheet will come up from the Register of Wills from Maryland, and it will have a whole list of all the different forms that are needed in probate in a state. And, and you can click on each one of them, and they will open up, and it will give you a PDF of that form. When I come back, I'm going to talk about those forms in more detail so that when you have a deceased person whose property you need to probate, whose property you need, whose title you need to change, whose money you need to get access to, because you want to make sure that property moves quickly from the deceased person into those who are alive so that you can use it. You can take care of it, okay? You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I want to thank you for listening. We talk about things here that are really down-to-earth, practical, and can really make a difference in your life, really make a difference. We talk, we talk about deeds. We talk about how do, you, how do you get access to property when somebody dies? How do you create intergenerational wealth? And the phone lines are open. They're open for you to ask questions. So call me while I'm here on the air if you have a question. 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. If you would like to have a consultation with me and or help have me help you probate an estate or do your own estate documents, Call me at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Uh, we are working remotely. That phone line is monitored. And so we, we I, I have one a member of my staff that checks it out, comes, you know, calls, calls people back, gives me the messages, and then I call people back and we get started working on your documents, okay? Just before the break, um, we talked about how do you arrange to have property that belonged to someone who has died? How do you get that property transferred to you or to the persons who are alive with or without a will? If that property is a deed, is a house, bank account, Life insurance, whatever, okay? So I was just saying that we're going to talk about what you need to file in court today. That's going to be one of the, one of the things that I'm trying to get to. And it is all of the forms are usually online, 
okay? In Washington, D.C., you go to dccourts.gov forward slash superior court. Then you'll see under superior court probate division. Under probate division, you go to larger states. And when you get to larger states, there's a link to forms. In Maryland, you write down Maryland probate forms. That will take you to a page called Register of Wills, and 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 forms will be on that page. Okay. Um, so let's talk about in Maryland and in the district. You usually have what's called a petition. It starts with either a petition or let's start at the very beginning if there is a will. If Mr. Jones had a will, then you file the original will. You really need the original will. That's why it's so important for you to tell your loved ones, show them where your original will is. Don't just say, I went to the lawyer, I got it at the lawyer, because your family does not know what lawyer you went to. They don't know if that lawyer is still open. The lawyer could have died too, you know. We do do that. <laughs> or you don't, the lawyer, lawyers no longer keep original wills. Years ago, lawyers used to keep original wills, had these great big safes and would keep wills. And I think some may still. I do not. I never did. But by and large, if you're going to, if you have left your will at your lawyer's office, make absolutely certain that your children or whoever is the personal representative, whoever is going to benefit from that will and or is going to be responsible for what's in that will, make sure they know exactly the name, the telephone number, the address of the lawyer that has it, and the lawyer's office has something in writing from you authorizing them to give that will to a particular person or persons. That's really important. Personally, I don't like to have wills in lawyer's offices. I'd much rather you have the will in your own house. You can put it in a metal uh, case if you're worried about fire. If you don't want people to know about it, you can put it under your bed. You can put it in a safe, you know, but have your original will available. In Maryland, you can take it to the register of wills in your county, and you they will seal it and put it in the vault of the court. You get a receipt. You tell your, or you give a copy of that receipt to your adult children or to the person who's going to be the personal representative so they know that it's there. When you pass away, lawyers know to ask in the county, in Maryland at least, is there a will for Mr. Jones? Okay, Is there a will for Mr. Jones? And if so, the clerk will look for it and they'll bring it out and file it. All right, they're not going to give it to you, but they will file it. And when they file it, it becomes a public record, and you can get a copy of it. Washington, D.C. does not have room for keeping wills. Uh, that's what they say. And so they do not keep will. You can't file your will in D.C. in the District of Columbia until you're dead. Okay? So you really, it's really important to know somebody who is going to be responsible for the will for doing what you want done, or for your children to know, or whoever's going to benefit from your will, to know where and have access to the original last will and testament. So in Washington, D.C., there's actually a form that you can get online called the Certificate of Filing the Will. That certificate is one page. It's filled out by the person who is filing the will which can be the personal representative, the child, or the lawyer who's going to help you with this estate. 
It gives the date of the death of the person whose will it is, the date of the will, if there are any unusual attributes to the will, the the name and address of the personal representative who's named in the will, how the person's filing the will got it, was it given to the person by the decedent? Okay. And um and 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 so like people bring me original wills if I if I'm going to file it, I fill this out. I say how the person got it. And then I attach the original will and I file it in the court. Either I physically take it down to the court can't do that anymore. I mean, well, you can't go into the court to file it anymore. But I, I prefer to physically walk it down to the register of wills, not to the register of wills, to the Moultrie Courthouse where there's what's called a lockbox. And it put it, of course, in a sealed envelope. And you put it in the lockbox for the probate division. And it, it's at the court. I prefer doing that because the mail is unreliable. There's nobody to sign to receive it. Okay, if you mail it, even certified mail return receipt requested, it's just going to go in the same lockbox. Nobody can sign it. Okay, but at least in Washington, D.C., I can take a copy and date stamp that copy right there at the, at the, at the court. And so I have some kind of proof that I delivered the will to the court. All right. Now, if there's any questions raised about the will, sometimes you'll get an affidavit of the witnesses. And if you can find the witnesses, which can be a big if, that's why you put the addresses and and you try to take down the phone numbers of whoever the witness to the wills are, so if you need them to sign an affidavit, you get it. That's another form. and But you only do that if the court asks for it or if they require it, okay? Understand something. Do not ever be a witness to a will if you're named to receive something in the will, okay? If the will says everything to my wife, or everything to my children, the wife or the children should not ever be a witness, sign as a witness to the will. When you sign as a witness to the will, and there are, no, there are not enough other witnesses, for example, if the law requires that there be two attesting witnesses to the will, and you're one of them, you have to give up whatever you're going to get from the will in order for the will to be effective, okay? So don't be a witness to a will in which you are named and which you expect to receive money from. Okay, so we take Mr. Jones's will and we file it in the court. At the same time, usually, at the same time, you also fill out and file what's called the petition for probate. In Washington, D.C., it's called a petition for administration of the estate, petition for probate, and it starts out where at the very top, where you have the name of the court, the name of the deceased person, you put in the name of the deceased person right there, and in the District of Columbia, they want to know how old the person was when they died. Okay, of course, you can figure that out from the death certificate, which you also have to file, okay? I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, and I'm trying to explain to you how or what the process is for administering a probate. What are the documents that you need to file in Washington, D.C. right now? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get to Maryland, but I wanted to do Maryland as well. Um If you need help with this, if you'd like me to assist you in in representing you in doing this, I can be reached at Wills and Trust LLC. The name of my company is Wills and Trust LLC. 
It's the only type of law we do to prepare wills, power of attorneys, advance medical directives for people, and assist in administering estates and trusts. We can be reached at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to work with you to get these things done because it's so important. Um, while I'm on the air, you can call in at 1-800-450-7876, 1-800-450-7876 with your questions, and I'll do my best to answer them. The document that you start administering an estate in Washington, D.C., is called the Petition for Probate. Every case is given a number, okay? Every case is given a number by the court. In Washington, D.C., the number starts with the year in which it is filed. doesn't matter when the person died. The person might have died in... 1995, 19, whatever, or 2015, or whatever, the year that's given by the court is when the case is first filed. In most instances, you'll put, like right now, it's 2021, ADM, and then the court gives the number. I think it's chronological, but I'm not sure, you know, who comes in, what time, and but I don't know really, really. So let's say Mr. Jones' is, number is 2021, admin, and they always use six numbers, so it's 000135. From now until the end of time, 2021, admin 000135 is the number of that case, and if 10 years from now his children want to know what happened in that case, they put in that number or they put in his name <coughs> and that case number will come up. You click on that and it will show you the docket of what was filed in that case. Okay. Same thing with the will. The will is given a number, which is first the year that it's filed. Then instead of ADM, it's W-I-L with one L. And then again, the court assigns a number. So let's say Mr. Jones's will was 00025. Again, from now on, that's the number that you can look up, 2021 will with one L, 00025. And that will tell you when that will was filed. The District of Columbia does not allow you, and no courts that I know of at this point, allow you to actually physically see the document online at this time. I think they're considering it. I think they're considering allowing it to happen where you can actually go online and read the documents that are filed. But as of right now, you would just what we call the docket. So let's say I filed Mr. Jones's petition and his will on March 25th, 2021. The docket of Mr. Jones's case would say 325, whatever I said, 2021, certificate of filing the will and will filed. Okay, petition for probate filed. And then it would have the name of the petitioner and the name of the attorney, okay? And that's all you would see, but you would at least see that it was done. And if any money was paid at the time to file it, there would be a, a record of that as well because they have to give you a receipt whenever you send in money to the court. Now, this is the information that you need to know and be able to provide and is put onto the petition itself. Your name the person who is the petitioner, and your age and your address. The name of the decedent, the person who died is the decedent, and where they resided at, okay? Where they died at. So you need to know all these things. With on what date that they died and on what day that they died. 
Now, you also, when you're filing this, there are other documents you're going to file, the death certificate being one. You have to wait until you get a death certificate to file these documents. And so the death certificate is going to say where they died, when they died, you know, and where they were residing at the time. Then it goes on to ask questions about the person who's filing, the petitioner. This is important. The petitioner has to be either a citizen of the United States or if they are if they're not a citizen of the United States, they have to say that they must be a permanent resident who is either the um, spouse, the um, um, uh, a lawfully admitted, I'm sorry, permanent resident of the United States of legal age and not otherwise excluded from acting as personal representative. I'm getting it mixed up with Maryland. Maryland has some other very specific rules if you're not a citizen, okay? D.C. is a little bit different. They don't ask as much on their petition, but Maryland does want to make sure that the permanent resident is a spouse, an ancestor, a child, okay, uh, or a sibling of the deceased person. And it's one of the few instances where I know that a distinction is made between citizens and non-citizens when it comes to the law is still the same when it comes to distribution of property in the United States. But who can file, who can actually file a petition to administer that estate is different. It's got to be what I generically call a blood relative, uh, either married or a blood relative of the person who died. The petitioner who's filing has to show what right, what priority do they have in filing? Why do they have the right to file? The most important thing is if they were named. So if the petitioner, if, the, if you have a will, the will is going to say who is going to be the personal representative, all right? And the person who is named always has priority because that's who the deceased said. Another reason for having a will, because you know who's good with money and who's not. You know who's going to follow the, the will and who's not. So that one of the most important parts of having a will is that you, you say who's in charge. And I ask my clients to have at least two people one person, then if that person is not available, a second person, okay? It really cuts down and cuts through the vision in family because I've had people who can't even, who've actually lost a house because they can't agree on who's going to be in charge. It's ridiculous, but it does happen, okay? So you want to do that. If, if there is no will, then you have to say by what priority you have, the spouse has first priority. The children have next priority. If there are no children, then parents. If there are no parents, then siblings. Creditors can also file. And I, I'm seeing that more and more when people are dying, especially with reverse mortgages, and the family does nothing. They just sit on it. The reverse mortgages will come in and file and take control of that house. And the family ends up getting nothing because they did not take the, the effort to keep the house or to at least sell it and get the, the difference between the mortgage price and the equity in it. I'm trying to give you an idea of the type of information that you need to have when you get ready to open an estate in the District of Columbia first, and it looks like we're going to have to do Maryland another day. But understand something. A trust, a properly drawn-up trust that's properly funded, where you put the name of the property in your trust account, your bank accounts are in your trust account, avoids all of this. You don't have to go through 
any of this. And that's one of the reasons why, for many people, a trust is ideal. All of this information that I'm saying that you have to provide to the court is necessary and it's public, okay? It's public. I understand I have a caller on the line. Good morning. May I help you? Yes, my name is Leona, and I have a question. I'm in um, Germantown, Maryland, and okay. um, I, I have a couple um, investment properties um, that I'm still paying on, and I also have mm-hmm. uh, the legal uh, guardianship of some grandchildren, and all of my uh-huh. kids are grown, but I would like mm-hmm. to get my grandchildren, which I haven't adopted, but I do have legal guardianship that I received from the court, but I would like to uh, leave uh, some of my um, assets to them. And I You have got to, to have a will. You have got to have a will. Okay. You have got to have a will. You've got to. The law will not give your grandchildren anything if you okay. don't have a will. You have got to have okay. a will. Okay? Because so the law like is going to give... Yeah. The, otherwise, the law is going to give it to your spouse or your children. They're not going to benefit. Okay. Okay. So, so I would like to come. I would like to call you to to do that. So I have your I number. Okay. Please do, and I'll be glad to work with you to make that happen. Okay. Okay. It's a really okay. good question. Thank you. And I know. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Okay. And for anybody else that's out there. If you want your property to be enjoyed by anyone other than what the law of intestacy grants, you have got to have a will. You've got to. A will or a trust, and or a trust, put it like that. And you have got to name them, and you've got to make provisions for them. This is important because just like that lady called in, a lot of people have raised their grandchildren with or without adopting them. It doesn't matter if you adopted them or not. You have the right when you own property to leave your property to anybody you want, okay? The only limitation on that is very little, but if you are married, your spouse can go in and take against the will. And even then, it's only a percentage. But if you're either not married or your spouse is not going to do that, you have an absolute right to leave your property, but you've got to put it in a will. Even if you had, a, you know, adopt, well, adoption would have put them on the same level as your children. But do a will. Please, I beg of you, at least do a will. And it sounds like if you have multiple properties, you want to use a trust because it's going to be a lot less expensive to probate and administer the estate, and it's going to be a lot quicker, faster if it's done properly, okay? Thank you very much for calling. If you have any other questions, please do call in 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. Call in now while I'm on the air, and I'll be glad to answer your question as best I can, okay? If you want me to help you, call me at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828, and we'll work with you to get these documents done. Let me come back to the petition. Someone dies with a will or without a will, in the District of Columbia and in Maryland, you file a petition for probate, okay? In the petition, you check, at, in, in the district, you check off what it is. You know, there are little boxes up there. You always would prefer to have abbreviated probate and unsupervised um, administration. If you can, it's much easier, it's much quicker, it's much better. And usually you're, appoint, you're asking to, for appointment of a personal representative. 
you put in your name, the petitioner, the person who's bringing it, with a will that is usually the executor or personal representative in the will. Okay, your age, your address, and information about the decedent. I understand I have another caller on the line. You're yes. on the air. Yes. Hello. Okay. Hello. Hello. Yeah, um, this is Sam from D.C. Okay. I, uh-huh. Yeah, you worked with me some time ago with me and my sister, and I yes. just called <laughs> Because I spoke to you once before congratulating you because you do an excellent job, Attorney Mitchell. I mean, yeah, Sam from D.C., you know, you always say, I know who you are. I know. I I can see your face. I know exactly where you live, too. Right. I remember. Because you've been to the house two times back in the day. Exactly. I sure have. Yeah. Let me tell Uh you something. I tried to call him once before to thank you for that advice. Do you know, since it's been more than a year ago, um, because of the shutdown, if uh-huh. you didn't tell me to have my sister's name on my checking account at that time, do you know I could not get any money out because I'm me being sick and all. I can't really go to the yeah, bank. Yeah, I know. I know you can't go to the but bank. I, I am so you. glad for that advice because if, if it wasn't for that advice, I couldn't get any my money out out my bank, my bank account. Yeah. And I yeah. just want to say thank you. You are quite welcome. You, you are know, really I'm quite telling welcome. you, I am so glad that the information that you gave us back in the day. I, mm-hmm. I don't know whether that how long does the internet got to be up. It's been some time. <laughs> it's been some time. Yeah. Okay. All right. But well, anyway, well, thank yeah. you, and I just want to say God bless you. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. You know, it 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 it. it not only does it feel good to me, and I really do appreciate it, but it's important for other people to realize that having a lawyer work with you individually with your particular circumstances and giving you advice for your particular circumstances makes all the difference in the world, okay? Uh, if you, you you don't have that interaction a lot of times, especially if you try to do something online and you just pick out a form and fill it out, even if it is legally sufficient, there are a lot of other little things. Like with Sam, with his particular circumstance, it was important since he said it on, on the air, I can say I felt it was important to advise him to have his sister on his bank account because the nature of his illness is such that he can't go outside of the house. A person online, even a lawyer online working with him might not have known that and might not have, and usually will not ask that. And so they would not have given that additional advice. Okay. Everybody has a little something that makes them different. You may think not. You may think, well, I'm like everybody else that's married, has two kids, not married, has two kids, they're adults. So I can just do something online and I'm good to go. You know, it may be, it may be. But there's usually something additional that we can suggest to you, make recommendations to you. Even when you're, when you're, when I have clients who are having a will done, and the power of attorney and the medical directive, because I always do all of those. I can often say, like if you have adult children and you have a house, I can usually say, well, why don't we do a transfer on death deed? So when you die, the house is going to go directly to them without them having to go to probate. Okay? I can say if your children are adults, why don't you make sure that you've got their name as payable on death beneficiaries on the insurance policy. Make sure they're named as beneficiaries. Retirement, make sure they're named as the beneficiaries. We still do a will in case there's anything else that's out there. We'll catch it and it will give it to them. But we try to go the extra step and give you advice that will make it easier. Because when you die, your family is already upset and worried and nervous. And, you know, your children are younger. In many instances, they are dependent upon you or they've become accustomed to it. 
And it's very important that the transition of your property be done as quickly and easily as possible. So, again, give us a call. This is all we do, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to work with you. Um, We'll be glad to work with you. So let me just try and at least finish the the petition in Washington, D.C. before um, the end of today. I was trying to get through the documents that you need to open an estate, uh, but I didn't get very far because there's still a lot more information that's needed that you put on these documents. Um, you, You file a petition for probate. If you have a will, you file the will. If there is no will, you have to have uh, everybody that could also serve be a real um, sign-in to say that they are uh, in charge, that they, they agree that you should be the personal representative. If they don't agree, then it's a race to the courthouse, okay? Um, and that can be costly as well as time-consuming. You have to have the name, the age of the person who died. You put in your name, your age, your address. You say why the court has jurisdiction, meaning that the person died and he lived in the district or the person died and he lived in this particular county in Maryland. You have to tell the court if there are any other court cases involved with this estate. In Washington, D.C., they want to ask, they ask rather, if, the decedent is, spouse, is survived by a spouse or a domestic partner. And if they have children who are not children of their partner, because in Washington, D.C., the amount or the values of the intestate share is different. Okay? It's a little complicated, so I'm not going to get into it in more detail. But the court wants to know that. If there's a will, they want to know the name, the, the, the date of the will and who the witnesses are and what their addresses are, okay, in many instances. Um, if there is a bond, whether there's a bond or not, um, you, check, you click off. A bond is not required because it's waived by the will. Or if the personal representative is also the sole heir and legatee, meaning you're an only child uh, and the person was not married when they died, you won't have to post a bond. Uh, Otherwise, a bond is usually required if there is no will. The court will set the amount of the bond and will determine if there are any limitations on your power, i.e., Maybe if the person has no bond, um, you can't sell the property, all right? And then you get to the names and addresses of the interested persons. Interested persons in, in probate law include anyone who would inherit if the person died without a will, anyone who is named as to get something if there is a will and, of course, the name and address of the personal representatives. You have to put the relationship and any creditors. So if Mr. Jones, even though he had a will, we would put down the name of his spouse because we assume we said he had a spouse her address and her relationship. If she's the personal representative, you say that as well. As children, their names, their addresses, their relationship. If in his will he named a brother or sister, godchild, someone else to receive, or a charity, you put down the name of that person and their address, their relationship, and you call them a legatee, the person that receives money in a will or property in a will is called the legacy. That's the word legacy. So you're getting a legacy from that person. If there is no will, then you have to name a spouse 
if the spouse died before the decedent, then you name the spouse, but you say predeceased the decedent. If they're children, you name all of the children. If any child died before the decedent, you name that child, you say that they predeceased the decedent, and if they left children, you name the names of those children, i.e. the decedent's grandchildren, and their addresses. So that's why it's really important to know all this stuff. I think I talked about that last week, to know the names and addresses of whoever would need to be reported to the court, okay? If the person died without children and without a spouse, then the parents are the next in line. I'm sorry, siblings are the next. No, no, parents. That's right. Parents come before siblings. So you'd have to name the parents. And if they died before the person, you say predeceased. Okay. And then the sibling comes. If a sibling died before, you say that sibling predeceased them. If that sibling had children, you name and give the address of their children and our grandchildren if one of their children died. So you can see how much information is needed, how long it might take just to get that information, and you can't even start to file the petition for administration of the estate without that information, okay? You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I come on every week to try to give you information that's useful and that's practical that will save you money, that will tell you how the law is likely to affect your property and how it can be protected, how it can be passed on, and what you've got to do. The law truly is powerful. Let us help you. We go to school a long time to be able to do this, and we're constantly taking new classes, constantly, every year. There's some new course or courses usually that I take that keep me up on this. So I recommend strongly that you not try to do this yourself. Work with a lawyer in your, in your, in your state where you live, that knows the law there. Preferably work with a lawyer that does this type of work, estate planning. Ask your lawyer, do you do estate planning? Do you do wills? Do you do trust? Do you do this kind of work? Is this a large part of your practice? A lot of general practitioners can do this, but if you're mainly doing something else, they may not think it through quite as thoroughly as somebody who does this all the time, okay? So if I can help you, give me a call. 240-638-2828. We work remotely. That phone number is monitored and answered by one of my staff who will call you back and we will get started helping you. In the meantime, get your shot, please. Keep wearing your mask and stay safe, okay? And I'll be back next week. Have a good day and a good week.